Good morning. Shall we please pray? Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts to his word, that the word of God will come to us in clarity and with power, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we have prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. So, two policemen and a yellow vehicle. Usually, this will not make the news, but on Tuesday, it did. Um, you know what's happened in France. So, from the video that we, we saw, it was just, they were having. Presumably, a word with the driver in the vehicle. The driver began to move and then ran into a structure. He had been shot. Um, a 17 year old guy of Algerian origin had been shot dead. And of course, the aftermath France is burning. And uh, as I look at this, and we all look at this, we realize that. With such events as they unfold, as they're unfolding in France, issues of race, perhaps issues of law enforcement, um, issues of mass immigration, they don't become issues that we can sit in an armchair with coffee and just, just discuss. They become important and sensitive issue that requires us to ponder and think about certain decisive things we ought to do. So one of the hashtags on Twitter, France has fallen, is trending. This morning, I want us to think about Artemis has fallen. And for us also, as we look at the events that are unfolding in Ephesus, it's my prayer that we would also ponder, we'll begin to reflect, and hopefully take some decisive actions. So Artemis has fallen. We'll look at what happened, why it happened, and what must happen. What happened, why it happened, what must happen. Artemis is mentioned twice in our passage. Um, look at verse 26. First by somebody who appears to be a trade union chairman in verse 26. Um, he, talks, he talks about, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led large numbers of people here in Ephesus in practically the whole province of Asia. He's led them astray. He says that the gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger, not only that our trade will lose its good name, but that also the temple of the great goddess Artemis. So Artemis was the name of the goddess worshipped in Ephesus. He is also mentioned by an important person, perhaps in the ruling party. He was a city clerk. He talked about the city clerk, verse 38, quieted the crowd and said, fellow Ephesians, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? 
So Artemis was the name of the idol, the goddess that was worshipped in Ephesus. She symbolized fertility, sexual fertility. So you can imagine what this, the worship of this goddess entailed. It was basically called prostitution, sex worship, indiscriminate sex, an idol there. So what happened? Our passage begins, we, we read earlier, with this important guy calling other people for a discussion. Verse, he says that, so verse 23, about that time there arose a great disturbance about the way a silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines for Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers in related trades. So there's this craftsman, he calls people, perhaps the, the social media handlers of some of these top ladies. You know, business is not coming. I can't afford to pay you to just click on Twitter and do stuff for me. I'm laying people off. Perhaps people in the transport business also, who would bring the prostitute down from their temple and into town and take them back. Now, when they go, their buses are not full. Perhaps even the pharmacies around, you know, these people in the prostitute, they will need abortion pills. The pharmacies are not making business. So people in related fields, business has been threatened. He calls them. It's interesting, he sees them he says that in verse 26, and see, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul had conv convinced and led astray. So for, for him, what is happening? People have been led astray. But in the beginning, verse 23, um, Luke has told us, about this time there arose a great disturbance about people, about the way. So Luke is seeing these, the Christians as people on the way, but so far as this guy and his other people are concerned, they have, they have been led what? Astray. So he calls them. And it's the message, we'll come to that later, but the message Paul is preaching, he summarizes his message. Paul is saying that he says, verse 26, the last sentence, he says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. And therefore, the implication. Verse 27. The temple of our great goddess Artemis will be discredited. Nobody will think highly of it or important of it. The goddess herself will be demoted. She will be robbed of her divine majesty. Now, what happens? The reaction. When they heard this, verse 28, they were furious and began shouting. Great is Atmos of the Ephesians. They are furious and they begin to shout. A riot is happening. 
verse 29, soon the whole city was in an uproar. So they see some people of Paul, like, you, you guys, you are responsible for bringing this guy here who has done all these things. They go to perhaps the, the amphitheater. Verse 32, it says, the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another thing. Artemis, the great goddess. But some people also came, no road, no vote. Some people too were shouting, black lives matter. And somebody also shout, all lives matter. And, and so one, presumably one guy asked the other, Charlie, what happened? I don't even know. We're told, verse 32, most of the people do not even know why they were there. See, they were guarded and shouting, but they were not sure. <laughs> but as for shouting, we have to shout. So the city was in confusion and uproar. But we see at the heart of this riot, Artemis falling down, being discredited, being demoted. At the heart of it was that the economy of Ephesus has been disturbed. You know, the temple almost acted like a bank. They were rich. They had large tract of agricultural land for them, for people in the temple. Really rich. So if business is not coming, it's not just that these craftsmen, the whole of the city, it's affected the economy of the place. And for these businessmen, I'm imagining perhaps they saw that like a couple of, no, maybe a year earlier, first quarter, their profit margin had dwindled. But of course, we all know why, why COVID. So perhaps you were thinking towards the COVID pandemic that had hit them. But as they, as, as they saw the rate at which their profit was draining, they knew that this wasn't COVID pandemic. This was gospel pandemic that had hit the city. So our second point, why it happened? Why? The why. That takes us to our contest. Look at verse 17. When this became known, so this, the incident referring to here some guys, sons of Skiva, they went about, they are the ghost bastards. They are the demon chasers. Well, the demon chased them. <laughs> they were beaten. Knowing that no, the name of Jesus is not something you can manipulate like you manipulate the other gods. So when this became known, verse 17, to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of Jesus was held in high honor. Now look at what happened. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burnt them publicly. And they calculated the value of the scrolls the total came to 50,000 drachmas. If you have your Bible, you can see a footnote. If you have a good Bible, <laughs> you, you have a footnote. A drachma was a silver coin worth about a day's wage. So 50,000 days wage was bent up. 
So why did the uproar happen? I think it's this. The Christians became serious about being Christians. The word of the Lord began to affect them deeply. And it's interesting, as I read verse 18, it says that many who believed now came. So they had already believed. But given what was happening, the sons of Skiba and the name of the Lord being honored, they, they came bringing out their scrolls. So they had believed in Jesus, but they still had their scrolls. They had believed in Jesus, but they still had their rituals. They brought everything and burnt it. You see verse 20, the effect in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So the word of the Lord in them had, had, was growing in power amongst them. And this is what affected the city. You know, when Paul came to Ephesus, you see the message he was preaching. Verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. About the kingdom of God. God's rule and God's people. God's people living under God's rule. This kingdom is a new lifestyle. It's a, it's a new reign, a new master. So the gospel is also the gospel of the kingdom. He had been preaching it. People have said, yes, we believe in Jesus. We are saved. But later on, we see that now the word of God was beginning to have deeper work in their hearts. We can't keep our scrolls anymore. The other things we are attaching to Jesus as our Savior, we can't have them anymore. They gave them. It was costly, but the gospel was working in their hearts. They gave them up. So if all these people are burning these scrolls, do you think that they'll go back again to their shop and say, please, can I have another copy? Would they go back and, and to their temple and, and say that, please, I want to make something else? No. This is what if affected the economy of Ephesus. Why? Because the church had been affected by the word of God. The Christians became serious about being Christians. So what happened? The rioting. Why did it happen? The church had been shaking. So the city was shaking. The gospel, the word of the Lord is beginning to grow, is continuing to grow in power. My last point, what must happen? And this is talking about us. The first two was about them. What must happen? As I read this, the first thing, I think it should begin to settle in our hearts the gospel's power. What ha must happen first? We, we, we have to know the gospel's power. Let's ponder about this. If the gospel had the power to so affect a whole city, 
doesn't yet have the power to affect your life. If the gospel, Paul didn't mobilize people going to Artemis to go and destroy their temple. He didn't mobilize people to sign a petition to the governor. He, di he didn't have to do all those things. It was the gospel that was taking root in the hearts of the people that brought their idol down. So I think we should begin, to, we, should, we should pause and just ponder. For myself, I'm seeing that I'm dancing a lot around the gospel. But this is a message that brought a whole city. The economy of a whole city was shaking. How come I am comfortable and normal? Brothers and sisters, the word of the Lord is powerful. So we have to know the gospel's power. The message about the king who lost his throne above came down and the crown he took upon himself wasn't made of gold, was made of thorns. His exaltation was not on a golden stool. It was on a cross. This message shook the economy of a whole city. This is not children's story. This is not. So we have to, it has to settle in our hearts the power of Jesus, the power of the word of God, the power of the gospel. Know the gospel's power. Ponder on this. Secondly, what needs to happen? We have to seek the gospel's power. Artemis must also fall in our hearts. What do I mean? The idols in our hearts should also begin to fall. In the Bible, idol worship it's not just bowing down to a graven image. It is this. Anything we look to and say, if only. This is what would finally give me joy and peace in life. Anything we are looking to apart from God, the Bible says, is an idol. In our quiet moments, the areas that our hearts run into, the doors that our hearts want to open. So these are not necessarily evil things, no. These are actually, in most of the cases, these are legitimate needs we have. But legitimate needs became ultimate things. And the Bible says it's an idol. Remember what Paul said, that these idols, they are idols made by human hands are no God at all. God's made by human hands are no God at all. Do you know what that means? It means that they can never give what they promise. 
never. They never have the power to give what a promise. So perhaps as we sit and you reflect about your life, you think about next five years, you are so sure in your heart that what you need is more money. That if only your salary in, let's say, in the next two or three years quadruples, you are so sure that you would have peace that surpasses all human understanding. You are so sure. But now pause about it. Think about five years ago. The things that you were dreaming about that you have. Most of them you have them now. But ask yourself. Are you more joyous? The things that five years ago they promised. Some of us were we, we, we knew that if we have tertiary education our wealth will be magnified. All those pre- people around us who don't they take us for nothing. All those people. We are so sure that if we only had tertiary education so that was five years ago. Now you have it. Has your sense of worth been met? Idols never give, they can never give what they promise. These are good things. But when they, became, they become ultimate things, that their achievement becomes the measure of our worth, their achievement be, becomes, we know that that is the done deal of our joy and our peace. The Bible says that you are bowing down to an idol. It will crush you. Marriage, for example. We have a friend who is getting married um, next two weeks. <laughs> and next week. <laughs> so for this, the, the guy who is getting married, one of the things we realized that, and it, it's so beautiful, so beautiful. He's so happy. I've, I've, I've never seen anybody, a guy, getting married, so happy, posting pictures, like making fun. Yesterday, he put a picture up, <laughs> and um, it had, a, I think, the crown of, of, of the Queen of England there, and then it says, keep calm, wedding mode activated. <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. I think this is what it's supposed to be. Going to something like, even buying a car, how happy you are. And now, a lifelong partner, you should be happy. But, now there's the question to the married. Has marriage in itself done the deal? No. If any good thing becomes an ultimate thing, the Bible says you are bowing down to an idol and then it will never satisfy. So the second point is that we have to seek the gospel power. That is, we have to allow the gospel to knock down these idols. You see, if, if they don't happen, we'll be as normal as we are. We'll be dancing around the gospel without experiencing its power. So that we will say Jesus is our savior. 
But on Monday, as I step out, and I'm taking a trottle, and the, the sun is beating me, and the, rain, the, 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 the mate is unruly, I know who is my savior, a new car. That what I really need in life, oh God, God, if you can give me anything, give me a car. Please, those with vehicles, <laughs> for now most of us, when we are driving, we don't just look at the road. We look at the four stations, the numbers there. You have it now. It can no idol has the power to satisfy. But so the idols are knocked down by the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we will be normal. We will be normal. We will be bereft of the gospel power. Allow the truth that Jesus is your savior to knock down other saviors you are building up. So as you think about your future and you are telling yourself, you see the needs, like there are big needs. Some of us, perhaps you've had a, an offer to go to school, but the money to pay, if only. Now, when those thoughts come, bring those needs to God. But then, remind your heart, money is not your savior. Perhaps you've had the opportunity to travel. You want to travel. It's a great thing. And indeed, as we say, somebody travels, you go and work. The money you make in a month, the doctors will envy you as a cleaner elsewhere. So good. If you have the opportunity to travel, you're exploring it, bring that need to God. But you have to remind your heart that America cannot save you. We have Americans here in Ghana. <laughs> American cannot save you. So that with the good things our hearts run after, you know, let it be a point of prayer and bring it before God. But at that very moment also, bring in the good news that you have only one savior who is Jesus. Burn the scrolls. Burn the other stuff. That is when the power of the gospel will be released in our city. When the idols of our heart begin to fall, Accra will not be the same. Just think about this. A simple one. If you all decided, now like Zoom Lion has to do a lot of work. But if people decided not to later, just that, just changing our lifestyle. Solution, there's no problem about filth in our city, no problem. Now let's think about deeper ones. If, we, if the gospel transforms our hearts and Jesus becomes our savior, not our connections. And you decide not to pay a bribe again. 
Think about what will happen to Accra. In fact, Ghana Police Service would have to issue a statement. And the courts would also have to issue a statement. There are so many cases, we can't try them. We have to think about other ways of getting fines. If the gospel affects your heart and affects my heart, our city will not be normal because we ourselves will not remain the same. Shall we pray? What are the things your heart is telling you if only, if only? They are legitimate things, if only, if only. You want to say, no, Jesus, you are my savior, my only savior. Oh, Jesus, knock off these idols from my heart. May they not control me. I want to have you only as my savior. Not a relationship, not money, not travel, not connections. Oh, Jesus, when I think about my sense of worth, Jesus, you, you are my treasure. I want to pray that, Lord Jesus, help us, the idols in our hearts and lives, Artemis must fall. Let the gospel power be unleashed. That Jesus alone will be our savior. You want to pray. So, Father, we pray, we confess. We have other saviors. We have other masters. We have other lords. But this morning, we, we see the gospel's power. As it happened to the church in Ephesus, we bring our hearts before you, O God. God, set us free from these idols. They take more than they give. They can't satisfy what they promise. Please, Lord. May we drink deeper from the well of the gospel. Jesus, be our treasure. You alone can save us. Be our savior. In your name.